Hello and welcome. I am Rashim Mogha and this is the Empowered Women of the World podcast. A podcast where we talk about technology, leadership and success. Now in the last few months I've received so many messages from our audience in over 50 countries on burnout in the corporate environment and the desire to start something of our own. However, it is not all that easy to say goodbye to a paycheck. and the predictability that sometimes comes with that paycheck so in this cxo series i'm excited to bring leaders who took a leap of faith and used the burnout layoff or restructuring in their corporate jobs as an opportunity to start something of their own and be successful in that we will together learn from these leaders what it takes to build a successful business so today I'm excited to welcome Dr. Maisha Cobb, CEO of Impact International as our guest. Now Maisha is a dear friend. She is also an inspiring global leader and a strategist with a passion for data, diversity, equity and inclusion. Maisha, I'm so excited to welcome you on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. I love the theme. I love empowering women. and I'm happy to share my journey. So Maisha, obviously I got to know you when you were a VP at an EdTech company where we both worked, but you're also a founder, a board member and now faculty at the San Diego State University. Would you like to share with our audience your journey from a corporate employee to a successful business leader? and uh, and all that other things that you do besides being a successful entrepreneur yeah i'm happy to share and it's with any journey i just say got to take a leap of faith and so even before i exited my corporate role for a number of reasons um some of it was personal as in addition to just being burned out as you as you mentioned Um but even before I took that leap of faith I got involved with an angel investing group um called New Fund Ventures here in San Diego we used to be called Tech Coast Angels and I was so inspired by the the ideas that flowed through the caliber of people who were looking to create new businesses and it started to just fuel me to say gosh I really am interested in what my contribution to the world is beyond the work that I'm doing today. And so through a through a, a various reasons in my personal life, I needed to take a break from the corporate world. Some of it was burnout, some of it was just personal family obligations. And when I finally decided to to resign from my VP role, I knew it was time. and i wasn't quite sure um what was going to be in the card cards for me i knew that i was starting a business i knew that i had faith in that business um but i didn't see teaching um coming into the equation that came in about 6 or 7 months later and i would say all of the connecting points for where i've landed have been around network and so through the through the angel investing through my role as a founder I started to just network with a ton of people and through that networking I got connected to San Diego State and I love teaching here as well. 
Masha, so many of us are scared of taking that first step because obviously there's financial uncertainty involved. How did you prepare yourself for it before you left your corporate job? And I know this is more, it's more than just, you know, how much money do I have in the bank? It's also a lot about the mindset, moving from that mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know if any of us ever feel like that time is right. I, I, I don't know that I will ever get to a point where I feel secure enough to, um, you know, to just say whatever. So I am a planner. And to your point, I made sure that I had enough money saved um, where I would be able to take care of my household, my parental, my family obligations. And remember, when you're starting a business, you also have to invest money in that business. And so I, you know, I made sure that all of those boxes were checked. But beyond the money part, I think this gets to what you talked about. There was a point for me in my personal journey where I felt like I had I had entrepreneurial dreams for a really long time. I had things that I wanted to do in service to other people, and I just kept putting it off because I wanted the comfort of that paycheck. And suddenly for me, when it was time for me to leave, there was something inside that just said, you have to do this now or it may not ever happen. And that internal motivation, that intrinsic drive was more important to me about doing something about living up to this challenge, it became more important to me than having the security of a paycheck. And that's when I knew it was time for me to take a leap. Yeah, and and really, Masha, you're right. You're never going to feel safe or secure enough. I think everybody has to, has to do that analysis th- themselves. Some people feel comfortable with having six months of um, expenses in the bank and then it's time to on some people feel more comfortable that it's uh, that it's one year um, we in in my previous CXO podcast um, we interviewed Estelle Tracy who is the founder of 37 chocolates and for her she she had a plan for one month but she had that agreement with her partner um, that she would not be bringing in money for about six months so um, those are great guidelines in terms of how people should start thinking about resources. Maisha, did you have a business plan? Because that's another thing that people struggle with. They have this great idea, but they don't have a business plan. And if you did, what resources did you use to prepare one? Yeah, I definitely want to talk about business plan. But before before I do that, I just want to piggyback on something you just said around making sure that we have enough money. And for me, and I don't know if others who are listening might feel the same way, I don't know that I will ever have enough money. I think it's one of those things that is always in the back of our minds. That need for security is so strong. However, one of the things that started happening for me was I started to measure um, not only financial security, but mental well-being as a gauge for whether it was time for me to do this or not. And at the end of the day, that mental 
piece became way more important to me than even the financial piece. And I knew that if I didn't have good, strong mental health, that the rest wasn't going to fall into line anyway. And that's such an important piece that you bring up because that's exactly what um, we talked about with other other in, uh, people whom we interviewed in the CXO series. Like, it's not just about the money part, it's about the flexibility, it's about the psychological safety, it's about your mental health, it's about the freedom to do things at your own pace, it's about your ability to give back and what constitutes you as a human being and your happiness is so much more than what what a paycheck yeah. offers you. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up. So you, you asked about my business plan. Let me just back up a little and say, I have been a psychologist for 21 years. And when I worked in corporations, I always felt like that part of me, that psychologist part of me, which is such an important part of my personal identity. I earned my PhD for a reason. I believe in psychology. Yet, I felt day in and day out that that was the part of me that was least valued and least respected in my corporate roles. And I felt like I had to hide it. And that very much, that feeling of hiding, very much became the fuel for my own business. And so as I started envisioning what I wanted to do personally and professionally, it all came back to making sure that people didn't have to feel like I felt for so many years where there's this part of them that they have to conceal and hide. And as I looked at what happened in the workplace over the past couple of years, and I think about the great resignation that's been happening, I believe it is very much a movement that is in line with what I'm talking about, where people do want to feel psychologically safe, where they don't want to have to leave a part of themselves behind when they come to work, where they want to show up fully and wholeheartedly and be accepted and embraced for what they bring. So my whole business model was around leveraging psychology and bringing psychology into businesses because to me that's where the gap was. And so a couple years ago, I went back to business school. I, re I recognized that I had a gap in my business acumen that I needed to fill. And in the course of going through business school, it became super clear to me what my business needed to be and that there had been no resources in the, in the corporate world that brought the psychology angle in. And so I very much am a fan of the lean canvas model. And I use that model to help me think about, you know, what is the value that my business can bring and what gaps are we filling and how do we do it? But in addition to using the Lean Canvas, which I encourage all of your audience to listen to if they're thinking about building a business, I also had to use some pretty practical resources to help me just think about how I managed my time and how I got organized myself. So one of the, the key resources I used was a book by David Allen called Getting Things Done. And it just helped me put into perspective, like what are those important actions and behaviors that I have to take every day as a leader 
And what are those things that take up time, but aren't necessarily getting me closer to my goals and objectives? And that's so important, you know, when you're in a corporate job, uh, Maisha, there is a list of tasks that you have and you're doing that. But when you're an entrepreneur, um, it suddenly feels like you have time at hand and you want to jump on to everything that comes your way. And to be able to think about things strategically and see, does it align with what I'm trying to do or not? Or is it just giving me that sense of busyness that I was used to in a corporate environment? Yeah, you know, there's, I, hindsight is always 2020. And I think there's so many of us who have very important roles in corporations. And I don't know if anything prepares you to be a CEO on any given day. It doesn't because it's a lifestyle change. It's a mindset change. It's a very different, it's just like you have to almost morph into a very, into a completely different person to be able to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> and you morph every couple minutes because yeah. there's so many different demands that are that are placed in front of you and you're balancing, you know, resource allocation with, to your point, strategic decisions. Yes, there's so many different things I could do, but should I be doing them? Yeah. And, and keeping focus on what that ultimate end game is for you becomes challenging every day as you're in the thick of work while also trying to maintain and build competitive advantage. And so it is, it absolutely, I feel like on any given day, I have about 50 different personalities and each one of them is required in order to get me closer to that finish line. Maisha, one other place where I've seen uh, people struggling is pricing how do I price my services um, and and it's a more complicated question when it comes to just services because for products there's guidelines available in terms of markup and everything else but when you're an entrepreneur when you're going to trying to get your um, foot in the door where you when sometimes you're still dealing with imposter syndrome you tend to sell yourself yourself short and at that time you know you might not value your services the way they should be valued so how did you go about pricing your services right yeah you know i think there's a couple of of nuggets that are buried in that great question that you asked sometimes as entrepreneurs we get so mired so bogged down in wanting to get our business model to a state of perfection that we forget the joy of experimentation. And I would encourage anyone who is starting a business to, A, you just have to kind of go out there and sell and talk to customers and network. And you gotta take some risks, which is inherent in experimentation. And so for me, I actually would would talk to folks and I would try to understand What is the value that you're seeking from what I'm bringing? And once you understand what that value is, it's a lot less about here's just a set price that I'm I'm offering and more about getting, getting your customers into a mindset of, 
You know, what are you going, how is this going to benefit you? And then thinking about what is that worth? So that's just one way to, to kind of reframe thinking and experimenting. To your second question though, about imposter syndrome and doubting ourselves and undervaluing the worthiness of what we bring, I absolutely encourage every entrepreneur to find a mentor and to find a mentor who is actually out there selling something too, so that they can understand that you don't have to sell yourself short, that you can absolutely sell your service or your product for what it's worth, that you don't have to discount. I also think to myself, you know, I can always give a, a discount or a coupon, but once I set a price, and if that price is too low, it is going to have implications for how people think about me, my service, or my product. And so if you get into thinking that you're charging too much, reframe and, and reappraise that thought to say, if I don't charge enough, will people see the value and the worthiness in what I'm bringing? And, and leverage you that are, to help you. You are a psychologist, so you know the psychology of perceived value of price, right? Um, Absolutely. If you give away things for free, or if you undercharge, in people's mind, your product, your services are not good enough. And that's yeah. why they are coming for cheap. And that's the mentality that, um, that's why we have pricing experts. And that's why those pricing experts do the research that they do. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're, I think what you're getting to is much deeper than, because you're absolutely right. Of course we can do pricing research and you should do competitive intelligence and market intelligence and market research to understand where competitor competitor pricing is. But what you're getting to is the value that we place on ourselves. And if we undervalue ourselves, then customers are going to undervalue us too. And I can tell you, the amount of work that you're gonna do is gonna be the same. So whether you're charging yeah. for it or not, you're still gonna be given that same output. And you might as well be doing it in a way that rewards you for everything that you're putting into it. God, this could go, this pricing conversation would go forever, could go forever. But uh, Maisha, if you had to do it all over again, how, what would you do differently? Boy, um, I, you know, I think I would have started a lot sooner. I really do. I, I spent way too much time in fear and worry and doubt and, and not trusting myself to do what I had been doing for other companies. And once I made that decision that I was enough, that I was valuable and that I had something to share with the world, it became quite easy to go out and do it. So the thing I would have done over would have been to probably start 15, 20 years ago. And you could have always gathered all that knowledge that you needed as a part of that process. I remember feeling the same um, when I started Evo in 2018. The biggest regret that I have is I could have started EVAL in 2005 when I moved to this country and I started noticing the bias that existed. Yeah, you know, I, I 
I think hi- there's a hindsight bias, by the way, <laughs> yes. Where, yes. that we're that we're both engaged in right now. Where you know hindsight is absolutely 2020. I like to think about journeys as we are exactly where we're supposed to be because we got the lessons that we needed to move us forward. And I would just say and encourage your audience, once you are confident that you have those lessons, don't let fear and doubt hold you back from moving forward. You know, as you talk about fear, there is this fear of what is going to happen if I fail, you know? So my last question is going to be a little awkward, Maisha, but I'm still going to ask because this is the question that holds most of the women back. How long did it take you to get to a place where you were making almost as much as your corporate job? Not as long as you would think. Um, You know, I, I think in the back of our minds, we always believe that it can't happen and that we're gonna be giving something up. And I would say within a year of of leaving my corporate job, I got there. Plus, and it, and plus you got psychological safety, you got a better mental health, you got to do all of the things that help you make an impact. So it's not just about money, it's also all those other things that you got alongside that. Oh gosh, the intangibles, I can't, I mean, I got to spend time with my, my son. I got, I get to spend time with my family. But most importantly, I get to to be of service to people in a way that I never experienced when I was working in a corporate job. Because when we work in corporate roles, we're always bending and folding to the demands of that company. And we're always waiting for the shoe to drop. You talk about fear. I mean, I feel like we live in constant fear that what if I get fired? What if I don't? do this to someone else's perfection. All these what ifs hold us back. And so that psychological safety, that peace of mind, um, and, and don't get me wrong, I think even being a psychologist, teaching on, on things like imposter syndrome and fear every day, I still experience them. But, and I think I will experience them for the rest of my life. I think it's just human. It's just human and most most of the times, Maisha, this is what happens. There are times, so you and I have talked about it. I coach a lot of business leaders too. And oftentimes when they have these ideas um, and they are, they're just, I can see that they are, they're struggling because they want to move forward, but there's this fear that's keeping them and holding them back. And then they would make statements like, you know, but I have security of a paycheck with this job well newsflash nobody's job is secure where job job itself comes with an insecurity so that is that is a myth that we live in yes uh, yes and i think learning to embrace that insecurity i believe we all think that one day we're going to conquer our fear and everything is going to be fine the real learning lesson is to embrace that fear, that insecurity and those doubts and learn to work through them. And that's the path to the other side. 
yes and and you know if you're looking for that one day i'll wake up and i'll feel secure enough to move forward with this idea that day is not going to come <laughs> it will not <laughs> well maisha thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experiences and insights with us i know that we could have gone for hours this is so wonderful thank you for your contribution to the world and i wish your audience all the best and anyone who is looking to take a leap i wish you security and faith and much success as well thank you so much for having me Thank you. And today's resource for you, my dear audience, is the link to the Evolve videos on startup journey. The link is in the show notes. Make sure to check it out. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you for loving, liking, supporting and sharing the podcast. Remember sharing is caring. I look forward to seeing you again in our next podcast. Till then, keep empowering the world. Thank you.